This is USA Takedown. The best guess. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA with your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown. It's Friday. We're talking about uh, the combat sports of wrestling, mixed martial arts, boxing, etc. Uh, Kira Jones at the helm of the mothership. We come to you live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios. This is USA Takedown. Our defense soap newsmaker hotline guests include an hour with Mike Chapman on the other side of the first, but we have Bula Wallen uh, was part of that controversial match that took place last year at the NCAAs. Uh, we'll talk to him and about him and his career. So stay tuned for that. BJ Futrell is making a move heading out to uh, the East Coast, as it were, uh, to talk and coach uh, wrestling at UPenn. And we've got some interesting stories to be told. But we start the program with uh, our buddy Nick Garone. Nick has been a friend of mine for a number of years, outstanding broadcaster, but many of you don't know his wrestling stats. He was the wrestling state champ uh, for uh, Patagut Pet. I'm going to goof it up. Nick, how do you say the high school? Can you say it? It's not an easy one, Scott. Patchogue, New York. (laughs) I still didn't get it. But anyway, it's also Medford, right? Yes, Patchogue, Medford. uh, That's an easier one. Yep, Patchogue, Medford High School in Long Island. (laughs) That's so much easier. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm I'm excited to be on with you. It's been a while. It has been, but you know, it's appropriate timing, I think, because uh, your boy Kyle Dake won bronze at 74 kilos, and now we've got Snyder ready to go up against uh, uh, Sadiyev uh, on Saturday for gold. Gable Stevenson won freestyle Olympic gold medal with the last second takedown. I mean, literally the clock had wound down and he hit his mark. Boom. Matches over. What are your thoughts about the, uh, performance of team USA at this year's Olympics? I mean, I, I can't be prouder of obviously, you know, Kyle, you know, coming back and taking a bronze, but overall as a unit, um, every single, you know, men's wrestler that was there got on a stand on the stand. I don't, I don't think that's ever happened, but You know, it's got to be one of the best performances by a USA team. And me being a wrestling fan and, you know, knowing some of these guys personally, I I, honestly, I'm beaming with pride this morning because I I just love these guys. They're such a great group. And, you know, for them to all medal and and, and represent the United States of America uh, the way they have and the women, uh, it's been just a great week and a half, man. I, I really love it. I do too, and and there's some purity um, uh, in the sport that you and I both thrive uh, being around and experiencing. But uh, you've been there, done that. I mean, literally, uh, you were a um, on on track to to represent the United States in the '92 Olympics. Uh, you had you were an alternate at the Pan American Games as well. But uh, it was your college career and high school career that everybody kind of, you know, stood back and took notice of you. How much pressure is, you know, we, we saw, and we talked 
ad infinitum about Simone Biles and pulling out of the Olympic Games. She was so brave in doing so, by the way. But how much pressure is being put on these uh, athletes at any age? The oldest, I think, Olympian this year is 47 years old, uh, Japanese. And, uh, you know, we think about the pressure and then you think about the hill that they must climb to get to this point, and then it's a sudden drop-off. There's a precipice that we have to deal with as well because we're dealing with the emotional state of these athletes. It's an amazing um, situation, to, and, and the pressure is enormous um, that these athletes are under. Uh, you know, you, you're training for four years. It's, I think what adds to the pressure is, is this. A world championship, a national championship, it's every year. You know, within nine, ten months, you're, tra- you're training for that event again. Right. In an Olympic Games, it's four years. So it amplifies the pressure and the stress level tremendously because you know if you don't perform on a high level, you're going to have to wait another four years. Right. And it's, it's a tremendous amount of mental uh, uh, pressure as well as physical and uh, I get it, but a lot of these guys, you know, they're true. You know, I look at wrestling in the Olympics as our pro, our, our, the pinnacle of our sport. Right. The pros. We don't go, you know, we don't have a professional wrestling. You know, you have the, you know, the, the entertainment side of things, but we don't have that. So what we do have is the Olympics. That's the showcase. That's where you can really show that you are the best and show the world. The world watches that. So... To be in a situation where you are on that platform, it's very difficult. But the people that do it, Kyle and, you know, Jordan Burroughs for years and, you know, even Gilman now and, and, and got high-level Pete Stevenson, um, you know, Schneider, all these people, David David Taylor, of course, I'm forgetting the gold medalist. <laughs> um, you know, these guys, between me and you, these guys are used to that pressure. They're used to being put under high pressure situations and made to feel uncomfortable. And so most of the time you're ready. And, and on occasion would help what happened with Biles. You know, I get it. I see what happens and how it can happen. Um, but most of the people are prepared and they're ready. They've been on that stage before and they're ready to perform. Um, and it is a performance, you know, so, you, you know, kudos to the people that do it. Um, the people that, you know, kind of like Simone Biles, you know, what happened to her, God bless her. I mean, you know, internally, you don't know what's going on with people internally. And one of the things that I give her a lot of credit for at first, when it first happened, I was like, what, why would she do that? How could she do that? (laughs) And I sat back objectively and I thought about it and I said to myself, you know what, that's actually a pretty brave thing to do because she didn't feel like she could perform. And if she wasn't performing on her top level and she was that in that kind of state of mind right. to pull out, you know, people, people wrestle or they compete with injuries because it's the once every four years type of situation. And they hurt teams. They hurt themselves. They don't place. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't medal. And she was brave enough to say, you know what? I'm not going to hurt this team. They've trained hard. And so I kind of got a different perspective after I kind of sat back for a minute. My first gut reaction, my knee jerk reaction was, what is she doing? That's unbelievable. I can't believe she would do that. And then when I sat back for a day or so and thought about it, I said, wow, that is unreal that she would actually do that. And, and, um, 
you know, we can talk about our Olympians. Uh, by the way, all five members of the U.S. Olympic, Olympic men's freestyle team will come home with a medal. When was the last time that took place? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember us having this kind of performance. I mean, it's 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 truly jaw-dropping. I'm so proud of these guys. Um, and, you know, you spoke about Kyle and the relationship, you know, with Kyle. I've I've been around Kyle for the past nine years. And he is just such a focused individual. And, you know, going into it, it was supposed to be, you know, him and the Russian in the finals. And everybody was speaking about the big showdown. And Kyle had gold medal. And everybody in the country thought we could pull out a gold medal with him. But I got to tell you, you know, I was sitting in front of my TV early in the morning when he had lost the other day. And, or I should say late at night. And, and I was so upset for him. And... I kind of the next day woke up and I was kind of in a fog and just was speechless on what happened. And, you know, he he looked a little flat, but I have to tell you, I am so proud and so humbled to be part of his life and his family and, and everything else to, to do what he did and come back and maybe not wrestling his best or not feeling his best to do what he did. You know, what Gable always used to say, I'll take an army of third place guys. (laughs) <laughs> it's very it's tough to it's tough to come back and take third when you know you can't win it and he came out and he beat an incredible wrestler two-time world champion in Chimizo. so i'm so proud of him uh, i know it's not what he wanted but it's it's the next best thing and uh i love him um i i you know i feel bad for the uh us women's team in soccer but legitimately i think they hung their hat on the wrong horse you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you've got a you've got somebody as talented as Tamara Mensa Stock, Tamira. Uh her presser after winning Olympic gold at sixty eight was nothing short of brilliant. Um, oh. she is oh. the hero we've been waiting for. You know what I mean? For women's wrestling. You and I both know that uh, women's wrestling is here to stay and we've been pushing that idea for a long time against you know, in the face of many, I remember John Sachi at Rutgers saying to me, uh, women's wrestling will never go anywhere. Well, guess what, John? Thank God you were wrong. Uh, because we're seeing a resurgence in wrestling popularity beyond compare. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was kind of on the, you know, like on the cusp of not, not, not of, you know, the, the women's movement, I should say, but, you know, I worked with Helen Marulis and I, I, I worked with Adeline Gray for a while and right. got to see it from a different perspective and how hard these girls work and how incredibly talented and strong and um, technically sound they are and got, and got a really strong appreciation for women's wrestling. Hmm. You know, 20, 30 years ago, it was almost like an anomaly. It was like, what are they doing? It was kind of <laughs> like weird and grew out of that into and metamorphosized into being a very big fan of women's wrestling. And going back to men's stock, uh, let me tell you something. I love the fact that she won a gold medal and she represents the U S and the whole nine yards. But I think what really truly catapulted her into a superstar. And I'm not just saying this to be over dramatic. She is the type of woman, a black woman, right? right? that could literally mend 
the division in this country. Oh, wow. Her speech, and, this, you know, sometimes you get dramatic. Oh, my God, she did this, and the world is what. She literally, on a world stage, spoke about how incredible it was to live in an incredible country like the United States of America and be able to represent the USA, able to represent the USA in the biggest stage in the world and be proud and have that pride of being from the United States of America. And I wish more athletes had that kind of attitude because, number one, when you put that USA on your shirt, no matter what your political feelings are, no matter what you feel about, and this is Nick Garone speaking, I don't speak for everybody, they might have different opinions, but when you put that USA on your chest, you're representing this country. It's not about your political beliefs. That's it's right. about the little girl or the little boy that's watching you that represent is. this United States of America, and you have to be proud of that. If you're in a pro league and you're doing your thing and you're fine, you want to protest, you want to do it, that's your prerogative. But when you're putting that USA on your chest, you represent that flag and you represent the United States of America. And Tamara Menzestock basically told basically everybody in the country, hey, you may think you have it bad, but I've been to different countries. I've been around the world. Right. You don't have it bad. This is the best country in the world to live in. And it was a great speech. And I loved her for it. I loved her for it. Mm. And I'm I'm grateful I got to see it uh, as it happened, not just in replays, but as it happened. Um, Kyle yep. Snyder settles for Olympic bronze. You know, a lot of folks are saying, hey, you know, returning gold medalists, et cetera. But it's not easy as as the world, the world does not stop, by the way. Um, and athletes don't uh, or do continue to come up from the ranks and make their their mark. And I think we saw that with, with Kyle. I think we saw that with, uh, you know, so many of our athletes. But Gable Stevenson's uh, uh, win uh, in the last second tells me there's a whole lot of give and take within the sport of wrestling when it comes to the heavyweights. What are your thoughts? I, I was sitting in my, laying in my bed this morning, <laughs> watching him and I tell you, I could not. I literally got up or out of my bed and I started screaming <laughs> and jumping up and down like like an idiot. And I I couldn't believe the right. way it ended. And I can't believe how explosive and how athletic. It's and amazing. you know, people, you know, oh, he's athletic. He is unbelievable. Yeah. He could literally do. He for, for a guy like Gable, he could do anything. He's um. He's an incredible athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, he beats this guy with literally less than a second left, takes him down two times within 13 seconds to win the gold medal. I mean, I think that's an truly inspiring and incredible story for the U.S. team um, to have him win gold. And the fashion that he did it was just amazing, amazing. Gable Stevenson wins gold um, in men's freestyle. Um, and, and it was over a very talented individual, by the way, Gino Petrosvili. Um had it won, literally. It looked like he had it won. But then Gable comes in and just absolutely performs the magic. I think he probably used some some moves from uh, from David Taylor, the magic man. <laughs> the magic man came up with some magic, man. He, he did a great job, too. He's another guy. Yeah. The last 20 seconds comes up with a huge takedown. Um, so happy for David because David went through a lot of ups and downs the last couple of years with that injury, that knee injury. That's right. And I'm so happy for him because, you know, he never gave up. He persevered 
and he got through a bunch of different things and, and to come out on top, God bless him. Just an incredible performance. And, you know, that's something that he will have forever. He'll have that gold medal forever. So and, and he's an so humble. He's, he's so humble, an individual, but he is literally living his life out loud. I like that. And, and that's how I equate Dake. I mean, great dad, uh, great husband, great wrestler. But, you know, you walk through life with a lot of different accolades. He, he seems to be handling it as well as anybody. You know, I'll take a gold medal or a bronze medal or silver medal, silver medal any day of the week. Believe me, I will. But I appreciate the effort that these young athletes, uh, and by the way, young is anybody that's not my age, okay? <laughs> and by the way, I'll be 63 on Sunday. Keep those no. cards. Yeah, keep those cards you know and letters so coming, right? <laughs> I, met, I met you, I think, about 15 years ago, 10 to 15 years ago. Right. And it's weird because I feel like I'm catching up to you. I feel like I'm looking older <laughs> and you're not aging. Yeah, but you're Italian, son. You, you, you make it look easy. <laughs> All right. I don't Rip. when I when I get up in the morning it doesn't feel easy. <laughs> yeah, this is a different story. Okay. So in closing, we've got about a minute left. Uh Jordan Burroughs, John Smith, play by play and color commentary for NBC. What are your thoughts on their performance? Because right now, oh my goodness sakes, if they never wrestle or coach again, they would have an outstanding career on television. Both of them are giving I mean, they are speaking everything that you and I love and uh, or disappreciate. And uh, what what a performance these, this uh, this whoever hired these guys is amazing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I I give them an A plus. Yeah. Um, and I don't use A pluses lightly because I've been in the booth. You've been in the booth. Sure. We've both done this. And I was uh, speaking to my wife this morning, and I said to her, I said, you know, it's amazing how natural. Jordan Burroughs is oh. and how amazing he is at doing this, you know, and then John Smith is just amazing. He takes you through the match. If you knew nothing about the sport, you would be in a scenario where you would be, you would feel like you knew what was going on. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the guy doing play by play now, he's, uh, he's a true professional. Now I, I, I like that they put an anchor. Okay. In one guy, that's a normal commentator for NBC yeah, the Peacock Network, but they put him in that position where all he's really doing is directing traffic. You know, so yeah. Good job out of Smith. Good job out of Jordan. I love to listen to John Smith talk. Well, Scott, what we're gonna do is we're gonna just go out there and put some, you know, some uh, metal uh, performances together. But he does it in such a way where you're not. He's not talking down to you. He's actually talking to you. And that's huge um, and a big difference for me. And I love the fact that NBC did what it is. I can't wait to see what they do with ESPN because I got to believe they're going to hire these two again. I do. I do. Hey, Nick, great talk with you, brother. I'm, I'm so gr glad that we can, you know, be the bearer of good news with uh, Kyle Dake winning bronze at 74, but it's always good to talk to, uh, you know, one of my great friends in broadcasting as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Scott. And you keep up the good work. You're a true ambassador of the sport. And you're you're the best. As far as I'm concerned, you are one of the best at what you do. And I'm privileged to be on the show with you, buddy. Yeah, and if, if not the best. I mean, I could easily be called <laughs> the best. But, well, <laughs> I'm teasing, of course. God bless you, Nick. Best to your fam. And uh, 
Uh, keep those pictures up on Facebook. I'd love to see them. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you soon. There we go. Nick Garone on the East Coast out of uh, uh, New York. And I'll tell you what, we'll be back. We're going to talk to B.J. Futrell. You re- remember him uh, for his collegiate career, but now as a coach, making all kinds of inroads for uh, the people he serves. Those are the athletes that are able to compete at the very highest level. Stay tuned. There's more. This is USA Takedown. USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short time off. There it is. Alan Parsons Project. Have you ever heard this song? And you know that it was the walkout music for the, uh, the Chicago Bulls for years and the introduction. Uh background and just one of my favorite pieces alan parsons project this uh, piece is called serious i love that all right um, great conversation with nick Grown talking about the olympics uh, this portion of our program brought to you by here.com great hearing aids at incredible prices make sure you put the forward slash is there another way to say this Kira? is it forward slash is that what we have to if you go here.com forward slash casper I think now you can just say slash slash. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here.com slash slash Casper Casper. Right. All right. So you can do that and get even better pricing. Also by our friends at Northwestern mutual and wild Rose casino and resorts by PBS landscaping mullets. My favorite joint here in Des Moines, when it comes to breakfast food, man, mullets has got it going on. John Royer and his staff know how to treat their customers, giving you great food, great pricing. And, uh, it's in a re- wrestling atmosphere so head on over to mullet's restaurant on des moines south side so um we talked with bj about you know all the news that's going on with team usa and i find it really difficult to understand um and almost in disbelief that all five members of the u.s olympic men's freestyle team will come home with an olympic medal i don't know when that was when that last took place maybe our our guest coming up uh, we'll know that he is BJ Fertrell and, uh, recently announcement came out of Pennsylvania that he would be joining the, uh, uh, the, the, the and I think it's a hall of fame movement. Okay. Uh, because they're hiring literally the best people to affect the Pennsylvania RTC. And it started with Brandon Slay. He joins us now. Does BJ Fertrell, BJ, how are you? Scott, thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. I, I was telling my producer that the one time I had your entire collegiate team in the studio, the one guy I was looking forward to interviewing was you, and you had to uh, bow out of that travel trip to Nebraska, and uh, I didn't get to meet you firsthand. I wanted to so bad, but I'm really grateful. That, to that too. <laughs> do, do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. I'll never forget it. It was my senior year. And, uh, yeah. Great interview, by the way. Uh, since we've had a, a chance to, uh, become acquainted, um, just, uh, you know, from your perspective as coach, as a, a former wrestler yourself, uh, what are your thoughts about this Gable Stevenson uh, freestyle gold medal performance? I mean, it really was a stunning last second takedown. What are your thoughts? 
Wow, it was amazing to watch. I, I'm glad I got up in time to be able to see it at the crack of dawn. But I mean, man, he's really—I feel like he's a—he's a generational, maybe a lifetime talent. Like uh, I don't think we've ever really seen anything quite like what he brings to the table as far as just his movement, his his work ethic, his athleticism, and his showmanship. Like he right. is a performer. He knows how to entertain the crowd, and he wants to. He wants to be in that spotlight. So it's great to have him. Uh, on Team USA, and, I, and I'm just glad I'm not. Don't have to face off against that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad for that too. Okay, but you know what? The sad part about it is, um, you know, he's not doing it in front of a live crowd. Number one, mm-hmm. the good part about it is NBC is enjoying Olympic ratings like they've never seen before. This is such a, um, a, a different time to be a professional athlete. We've got the NIL the name, image, and likeness uh, coming Mm -hmm. to the conversation. We've got guys that are willing uh, to put themselves up and go, you know what, Uh, I I may need a different look, so I'm going to transfer to a different school. So the the college coaches that have invested so much time in these young athletes, you know, if they're they're truly there for the right reason, they're going to let that athlete go and not make too big a stink of it. But we're seeing it. I think this is a brave new world for wrestling. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I, I would say college athletes of today's era have, definitely have a plethora of opportunities available available to them that yeah. weren't necessarily available before. So, right. as you mentioned, with the image and likeness uh, opportunities, and athletes are finally able to just take a little bit more ownership of their name and and, and their brand, and, and kind of be able to build some some personal income on top of uh, just the duties that they have as student athletes and responsibilities. So I think, it, I think it's really good for the sport and I'm excited to see uh, kind of the things that come from it in the future. You know, I don't want to harp on Gable Stevenson too much, but he's being trained by uh, Brock Lesnar, right? So he, he drives out to uh, Brock's place and uh, you know, he trains with him. He understands showmanship and it's no wonder the, the WWE is looking at this kid so hard uh, and trying desperately to put together a deal before their competition does. Uh, but, you know, we look at Kyle Dake and his bronze medal performance. I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, uh, Snyder and his performance and um, uh, Helen Marulis, her performance. But David Taylor stands out to me to be one of the level best that never wrestled in the Olympic Games because he had... Jordan Burroughs in front of him. What are your thoughts on David Taylor's performance? Man, David, David Taylor is, he's been in the spotlight his entire life. He's been groomed for this and he, he was prepared and he showed that, um, he showed that the other night by, by capturing the Olympic gold. Actually, it's funny because me and David, uh, actually had a, quite a few battles going back to the Fargo <laughs> days. He wrestled, <laughs> I want to say three or four times. And I was on the losing end of three or four times of those in the Fargo finals. And, uh, it, but it gave me a little bit of solace, a little bit of peace that, that he's an Olympic champ now. So now I can kind of put that to bed, and uh, <laughs> I'm just super excited for him. But really, for for the entire uh, Team USA, like out of the uh, for, between men freestyle and women's freestyle combined, right? Um, USA sent 11 competitors, and if everything shakes out right, with uh, if uh, Sarasota Brands able to come back and get a medal, we'll have nine Olympic medals, which That's crazy. Is a phenomenal performance for, for Team USA. So it's uh it's exciting time to be an American wrestler and I and I hope this uh 
hope there's a lot of young kids watching and, and coaches and that the sport continues to grow. And I think, BJ, and by the way, we're talking with BJ Futrell, who's recently joined the Penn wrestling staff as an assistant coach. But it was Roger Reyna whose judgment I have never questioned, never will. Uh, dude's amazing in being able to corral the talent it takes, uh, you know, not just for a coaching staff, but, you know, the 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 Penn RTC has become a magnet, okay? In other words, mm-hmm. athletes want to go there and want to be surrounded by greatness. And uh, I know the coaches feel the same way, but having Brandon Slay as your preeminent one, uh, it's got to be a big bonus. How important was that to your decision to take this job? Uh, it's been huge. And just me, with me um, starting, coming back, coming to the PRTC uh, in July of 2016, after the 2016 Olympic cycle, uh, Brandon Slay recruited me to come out here as a resident athlete and um i got to kind of just see the facilities understand kind of what Penn as a as a brand and as an organization is about and one of the things that really stood out to me was of their core values character first is, is their core value and, and i think that's something that they hold true to not just from um, recruiting athletes but also from the coaches and from the administration and everyone that's involved uh with the organization and so it's definitely a um some really, really amazing things happening in, in Philadelphia, and I'm excited for this year to come with the Ivy League. Electing not to have uh, a sports season this past year, the guys on the team are really hungry. They're excited to be able to wrestle, and we have um, four now nationally recognized recruiting class coming in that are all recruited by under under Roger Reina leadership, and we have 25 all-American place finishes between UWW juniors and U23. So wow. we have a wrestling room that's loaded with talent. And then um, I'll say we humbly, I'll say I, I believe we have one of the best RTCs in the country with Joey McKenna, Mark Hall, David McFadden, and a guy that, that needs no introduction, Jordan Burroughs. So. <laughs> yeah. How about his performance with John Smith on play-by-play? I mean, um, they break it down so incredibly well. And, um, I think NBC has hit upon uh, uh, two of the f- uh, great guys with great futures in broadcasting. Um, I don't know, you know, I guess when you get those compliments from high-level athletes or high-level coaches, um, that's saying a lot, but those two guys are putting on one hell of a show. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was. was. he's really done a phenomenal job, and he's really kind of, just set a standard of excellence in, in pretty much everything that, that he touches. His handle is all I see is go, and I would say just about everything that he touches right. <laughs> turns to go. So he's uh, he's definitely a professional in every every aspect of the word, and he's doing a phenomenal job. You would think he's been a broadcaster for years the way he's exactly. uh, been able to just showcase and be an advocate and an ambassador for the sport. I've been a broadcaster for years, and believe me, I can't hold a candle to his knowledge <laughs> and ability to, you know, to complete the, the picture. Uh, we're talking with B.J. Futrell, three-time academic All-Big Ten selection. We're seeing a, a B.J., um, and I want your opinion on this because um, it has an opportunity, what's going on in wrestling, uh, what's going on in sport. It has an opportunity to benefit or detract from wrestling. And I'm talking about uh, the Big 12 dissolving before our very eyes. I mean, we're seeing Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, they're obviously looking for a uh, a friendship with a conference that sponsors wrestlings so they don't have to drop it. But um, there's conversation, 
out there that the Big 12 will also lose Iowa State to the Big 10. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, this is, like I said, a brave new world. Yeah, things, I mean, things are things are changing every day, so it's kind of hard to keep up with all the advances. But I would say just with the success that um, the Americans are having at the senior level, with uh, Tamara Mr. Scott being the first ever um, African-American woman to Love win the gold title, I think that says a lot for where we're headed um, as a country. And I think it would be – kind of, it kind of, like, leaves the question of why isn't there uh, yet an approval for the NCAA to approve Thank women's you. wrestling. But also to uh, have wrestling and in, in, in more wrestling in uh, some of those ACC, SEC um, schools. They had them historically, and um, and we're hoping to, to maybe pull some of those back. Wouldn't that be cool if we were able to add women's wrestling throughout the SEC and the ACC? Um, you know, obviously the, the demand is there. We're creating our own demand. Absolutely. Um, and we're talking with B.J. Futrell this morning. Thank you so much, B.J., for, for joining us. Um, you joined the BTS Philadelphia as the mentoring director in July of 2020, following a year at Navy. Um, describe that one year at Navy, because I've been on campus at Navy and in Annapolis, and I found it to be very unique. Yeah, it was it was a it was an amazing experience, and I got I can't thank Joel Sherrod enough for just providing me the opportunity to to step into the coaching ranks and. And kind of, he just gave me my my first shot, and I was able to learn a lot just under his leadership. And I would say, uh, I mean, there's a big rivalry between Army and Navy, but I would say, uh, in my uh, try, as mostly unbiased opinion as I can say, is that Navy, the U.S. Naval Academy, is one of the premier leadership institutions in the country, and mm-hmm. absolutely is a great place to live. And and they're hosting uh, some of our, our country's future leaders, all of the, the athletes, the students there. Are That's right. Highly intelligent. They, they're disciplined. They know how to um, live a regimented lifestyle. And they're, they're like I said, going to be the leaders of our country. So it's, uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. And, you know, things, um, they brought in new leadership. And uh, they, so it was a new coaching staff that came in. And, and fortunately, I was blessed to be able to step into the opportunity at Beat the Streets Philadelphia as the mentoring director. And I mean, it was just incredible to be able to come back to the Philadelphia area and be able to help support and just pour in um, just light, love, and encouragement into a community that I've I've grown to deeply care about um, since living since moving to Philadelphia in 2016. And I would say, of all the organizations that I've been had the opportunity to be a part of, Beat the Streets um, by far is uh, is one of the organizations that I wholeheartedly believe in their mission. And, and what um, the organizers are, are trying to accomplish by positively altering life trajectory and students that, that, that live in under-resourced communities. And, and so it was an amazing opportunity. And, and now that I'm stepping in as the assistant coach at the University of Penn, it's, it's really cool because I'm uniquely positioned to be able to strengthen that relationship between the University of Penn and Beat the Streets. And uh, because one of our core values is community matters. And this past year, over 20 of our wrestlers at the University of Penn served as peer mentors, near peer mentors to beat the street students. So I'm excited for that to continue to grow and for the just amazing things that, that are going on in Philadelphia. We're talking with B.J. Futrell. And if you recall his history at, uh, with the Fighting Illini, he's the all-time leader with 38 career pins 38 pins <clears throat> it's not something that happens 
magically. It happens because of hard work, diligence, great practice, great training, and uh, you were the product of that, and now you're able to give that uh, commentary and uh, education that you got back to those that you're, you're coaching. BJ, it's always good to catch up with you. I can't thank you enough for your career because it was always fun to watch you. And uh, gosh, if I was a betting man, I would always put money on you. And uh, believe me, that <laughs> I'm not. I appreciate a, that, Scott. I'm, I'm not a betting man. <laughs> I can't stand to bet because I always know that the there's a fifty-fifty chance I'm going to lose. <laughs> but thanks to our friends at Wild Rose Casino and Resorts for that update. Anyway, BJ, thank you for the time today. Best of luck uh, to to you and your young family. <clears throat> at the Pennsylvania Regional Training Center. I think it's a very unique opportunity to be able to mix uh, UPenn and Drexel and that whole thing that puts, you know, Raina has got a much bigger picture than most. And uh, God bless him for hiring you. Thanks. I appreciate the time today. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. There we go. BJ Fatrell heads to the showers. Hey, coming up next is the guy that, um, given the opportunity, could come back for a seventh year of eligibility due to COVID, but he's made the announcement that he won't be coming back. Why? Stay tuned. There's more. This is USA Takedown. Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. I don't know if you watch the uh, opening ceremonies of the Olympic Games, but uh, one guy that took uh, front and center for me was uh, Miles Amin. Uh, you might remember him as a wrestler for <clears throat> Michigan, but uh, he's been on the show, as a matter of fact. But uh, congratulations to him on a bronze medal performance. Um, I just, I, it's events like this that help me realize that not only are we on the right track, we're on the right track for the right reasons. So congratulations to Miles Amin. All right, we just uh, finished up our conversation with B.J. Fatrell on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Um, we talked about, uh, you know, the, the NCAA acquiescing or allowing wrestlers to take a, a free year, okay? And that would mean you if, you, if you had the ability, you could go for seven years in your collegiate hunt. But think about that, seven years of your life gone away because you are a wrestler for Oklahoma State. Boo Llewellyn joins us. Boo, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. What's this decision, uh, and you made the decision to not compete for your seventh year, stating something that for me was all too obvious. Uh, in other words, I didn't like going to class either. But yeah. that was one of the reasons you, you put that out there, that you did not want to uh, continue to go to class. I mean, you're already a great student, great student athlete, but, um, you made the decision. How difficult was that for you? You know, it wasn't that difficult. It was, uh, it was something that, you know, whenever I planned going into this last year, it was my sixth year of medical redshirt year. I, uh, I, I had the decision already made that, you know what, I was done with folk style wrestling just for the fact that, like you said, you know, going to class is a, is a part of it. And, uh, and when you've done it for, you know, you got your degree in your fifth year, and then you came back and did a sixth year, you know, and not really uh, working towards a degree anymore. It was just uh, taking classes to be eligible to compete. You know, right. it's kind of like, where's the motivation anymore, you know? So 
trying to come back for a seventh year was uh, was was not not really an option for me. You know, the the option for me was to think about if I wanted to wrestle for freestyle uh, on the on the freestyle scene or not, and uh, and that decision was tough. But other than that, you know, like I said, the the folk style side of things, you know, it was kind of pretty simple for me. So you have indeed made that decision uh, to not attend, okay, uh, Oklahoma State Grade School, by the way. Uh, yeah, and, I was. And, yeah. and what a history that that program has uh, in terms of medals. I mean, goodness. oh man, wow. yeah. I saw that post. I don't know if everybody, if everybody saw the post uh, maybe yesterday or the day before that uh, Cowboy Wrestling put out on Twitter and Instagram and everything. It was uh, something like how many gold medals that we have at, or maybe it was just medals in general um, at the state of, or at the at the University of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and. Uh, and it was pretty impressive. I think we were like we had like eleven medals, and like I don't know if everybody saw that, but there was it was in comparison with the world of how many medals each each country has right. and stuff. And, yeah, and a lot and, of tradition. And and their uh, the record of the Cowboys uh, wrestling program can be put up against any sport from anywhere in the country and still be the best. I mean, that's how important wrestling is to Oklahoma State. Um, how did the conversation? Uh, take place between you and John Smith in terms of you wanting to go ahead and retire from collegiate wrestling? You know, with, with, with coach Smith, it was pretty simple. You know, he's, uh, he's pretty cut and dry. And, uh, and I, and I liked, I, that's why I loved Oklahoma state. You know, it's, it's just, you know, he's going to tell you the truth. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, it's, it's, the truth is the only way to, t- to take stuff in. I mean, a lot of times people just stick around or, or uh, you know, they're, they're living in a fantasy, a fantasy, in my opinion, you know, like, uh, you know, they're thinking that they're really training for something and, and, you know, their heart's not really in it. Right. And it's just kind of floating around for a few years. So for me, you know what, and I had been through so many injuries and, and with talking with Coach Smith, it was like, hey, if your heart's not in this and uh, and you're not willing to train to be the best in the world, you know, then, then you probably shouldn't do it. You know, and, it, and it's it's pretty simple to me as well. Um, after talking with him, and and the way that I think, uh, my thought process is matched with his. And you know, it's it's I'm not going to do anything that that I'm just going to kind of half-heartedly do. Right. Uh, you know, if I, if I wanted to continue to train, you know, it's a it's a full commitment on my end. And uh, and and there's some sacrifice. There's a lot of sacrifices that go with that. And for me, at the time, uh, I mean, just a few months ago. You know, it, it was, uh, you know, it just didn't seem, uh, my heart wasn't in it, you know, and, and uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's not like, uh, I don't know, I see a lot of people always saying, like, you know, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow or, or walking away from the sport is, is this or that. But you know what, if uh, if you put your heart into it and, and uh, you give everything that you can while you're in the sport, you know, you get into my position where it's like, you know, my heart's not in it anymore. You know, I, I'm okay with uh with walking away from it and, and, uh, and, and, and that's it. And that's it. You know, so. Well, we see you, uh, you know, attempting to make Olympic teams or world teams. No, no, you're probably not going to see me, man. I'm, uh, I'm actually, I just got hired, uh, and passed my licensing test. I'm a, I'm a loan officer. So I, <laughs> I sell home loans for, uh, for a company here in, in, in Edmond, Oklahoma. So I'm on the, I'm on the mortgage side of the, of the world and, Love and, it. uh, kind of stepping back from competing itself. I help out with uh, Edmund North High School Wrestling Club. Um, I helped out with their freestyle program this summer, and I'm going to continue to help out with them. It's maybe two miles from my house. So 
it works out that uh, I can stay helping coach the sport, you know, with the with the high school level and and just kind of stay in it on my own terms and you know and and just keep enjoying it as a spectator. My buddy uh, is the voice of the Cowboys uh, in terms of uh, at Gallagher Iba. We're talking about um, uh, the sports announcer, yep. <laughs> Al Hazlip, and I know he's he's really sad to lose you because your name is one of those great names that's fun to pronounce and, and fun to put out there in terms of PA. And, right. right. <laughs> where does Pretty the name Boo? Name. Where where does the name Boo come from? You know, it's uh, it's so my name actually. When I was born, my parents came with the legal name Seth. That was my uh, original name, date of birth, or my 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 birth name. And uh, and then you know what? Right after right after uh, they said I got cleaned up by the nurse. My mom said I came back, and the nurse was like, you know, he's already got he's already got a bunch of boo boos on him. So they were joking, <laughs> calling me Boo at the, at the hospital. And then uh, you know what? I went I went back, and it kind of sucked. So for me, whenever I went to like first or kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all through elementary school. My name in the yearbook was Boo, and all my teachers called me Boo and everything. So going into middle school, my parents asked me if I wanted to get it legally changed, and uh, and we made that happen. So I got my name legally changed in sixth grade to, to Boo. <laughs> Kira, this is a great story. I mean, right here, I love. First, yeah. first of all, I love the name Boo. I do. Yeah. Uh, but not Honey Boo Boo, but Boo, okay? <laughs> yeah. Let's make that clear. Um, it's just, it's, it's fun to get to know people that, you know, have for whatever reason, a moniker that, that, you know, makes you happy. And Boo yeah. Llewellyn has, you've made a lot of wrestling fans happy. Um, and, and I know that they are supportive in your decision as I am, but at the same time, you know, it's been fun having you a part of this. When did you start your, your wrestling career? How old were you? I started. Uh, I started going to practices. Probably, I was probably three and a half, three years old, three and a half. My uh, my dad had a, uh, or he, he helped coach at a little league in uh, in Mustang, where we lived at, uh, originally, Mustang, Oklahoma. And um, yeah, I started just going to practices, like just going with him, you know, running around, whatever. And then I I started taking it serious, like well, not serious, just like actually going to to practice and practicing wrestling at probably like six years old. So. Um, you know, from then on, my dad never put me in, in uh, like, novice wrestling when I first started. So I was getting my butt kicked a lot of the times wrestling in the open division. And, and I would when I started doing well, I started wrestling, you know, two divisions at tournaments so that I could get more matches and kind of wrestle older kids and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I've been in it from, from as long as I can remember. So that's why it's important for me. You know, if I'm not going to compete, you know, I, I, I'm going to always – um, stick in the sport with coaching or, or, or helping anybody that I can. And just because I love the sport, you know, I'm, 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 uh, that's like my, you know, this sport is my football to like the Americans, you know, sure. it's, it's just, uh, I, you know, I watch the Olympic games and, and I'm, I just, I love the sport, you know, as a spectator, as a competitor, everything. You know, when, um, uh, Simone Biles pulled out of the Olympic competition for the most part, she's, dated, um, uh, you know, mental health issues. And quite frankly, it's very brave of her to do that because there's a lot of stigma that is attached to just, right. you know, dealing with mental health. But, um, these, these folks, uh, that are rising to the top, like cream rises to the top, uh, David Taylor, Helen Marulis, uh, Kyle Dake, et cetera. 
I mean, these are some of the level best athletes in the world, period. But what kind of pressure they must be, you know, under, what kind of pressure were you under as a cowboy? I mean, it had to be yeah. difficult at best. And most people don't have a clue as to what you're going through. Yeah, man, I'm, uh, I am, I am so, so, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how to put it into words, you know, watching Gable Stevenson do what he just did at the Olympic games in right. the final and the matches that he won and how he won them. You know, it's just, it's, uh, I can't imagine, um, them thinking any other way than, you know, going out there and competing at their best and, and worrying about their performance, you know, that was my, uh, my biggest thing I took away from coach Smith. When I got to Oklahoma state, uh, you know, 18 year old kid, just trying to, you know, make the lineup. And, and, uh, and, you know, when I, when I finally made the lineup and was out there competing, it was like, man, what am I even doing? Like, I didn't have my mindset wrapped around what I actually wanted to get out of my matches. You know, I, I didn't know how to, how to, um, maneuver my thoughts during the match of, of what I'm thinking or, or anything like that. So for me, you know, for a mindset set of things just within competition, it was always just worrying about my performance. And, and, uh, and then, and then if I did, if I performed how, how at the level that I hold myself to at practice every day, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be all right. My, my outcome is going to be what I want it to be, whether I win or lose, there it is. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be proud with what I did. And, and that, that was a big thing for me. Um, but but as far as like the mindset through my injuries or or uh, on the outside of the mat, you know, outside of the room or outside of competition, you know, it's 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 just all about growing up, you know, making making sure that you're uh, you're surrounding yourself by people that are or are, are like minded like you um, that want to train like you want to train if you're in wrestling, you know, and and just just always uh, trying to be better, you know, not just in the sport of wrestling, but trying to find ways to be better outside of wrestling every day, you know, not when I, when I was in college, I can't remember when it was. I mean, it's, it's preached all across the country, but I, I, I vividly remember seeing David Taylor put something out about getting 1% better a day or yep. something along those lines, you know, and, and that it just, it, I really applied that to my uh, everyday life, you know, and, and I still do. It's not that I'm perfect every day. Obviously I'm not perfect, but you know what? Um, if you, if you, if you strive to, to get better every day, you know, if you don't get better, you, at least you're better than what you would have been if you didn't strive to get better, you know, so that might have been a tongue twister, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, I'm, I'm always looking to, uh, to better myself, you know, going into this industry that I'm getting into now, you know, I'm new to it. I'm, I'm the, I'm young. Most of the people in this industry are, are in their thirties or forties. So, you know, there's a lot of experience in it and, uh, you know, it's, I'm just taking my same mindset and, and transitioning it to the real world. So I, I love it. And you know what? That's why wrestlers are such good hires. Okay. You have companies that legitimately go after collegiate wrestlers. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, right, right here in Des Moines, we have principal that does that very active in that. And then also allied, uh, financial services. So, I mean, that's two great examples of, of, uh, companies that understand that dedication, uh, to oneself and the career that they are choosing. I, I want to go back to Kyle Dick and, and yeah, thankfully boo, thankfully, um, wrestling has changed because when Terry brands won a bronze medal, he took it home and put it in a sock drawer and he never wants to talk about it, but you have a great guy like Kyle Dick, uh, father, uh, teammate, et cetera. Great guy. 
uh, winning bronze, and and the smile in his face is for real. Oh and, yeah. I mean, times have changed from the Terry Brands, Tom Brands era to you know the Kyle Dick, David Taylor era. Are you feeling that? Yeah, man. It's uh, I I think. I think the whole world in general, you know, the, the competition level across the world has, has rose so much that it's, you know, it's, I, I personally, I can't speak on it because I've, I'm, I've never been in the position that obviously Kyle Dake's in, you know, but I can only imagine how proud he is of himself to get to that point, um, battle through a loss whenever maybe he didn't think he was supposed to lose that match, you know, and, right. and battle back when he didn't want to, you know, th- those matches are always the, um, you know, those are the ones that you'll he, he, probably remember forever. You know, you got beat. You, you wanted to be the Olympic champion. Battled and, back, wrestled, wrestled hard on the backside, and ended up beating a great competitor for bronze uh, in Frank Chimizo. So, you know, I, I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine him being ever disappointed with the bronze medal, just because, like I said, the the, the level of of competition. I feel I feel like has has rose. Um, all around the world. Thank you. Rather than, I mean, yeah. back, I mean, not that, not that the competition level was weak whenever uh, the brands brothers were competing, but you know, it's, it's just, I don't know. I guess the times are just different a little bit, like you said. And, and, uh, and who knows, man, the brands brothers, they just, they're, they think differently. So they might, that's just, uh, that's, a tough, that's some tough dudes. That's your take. And I love it, by the way, Bulawell and our guest, uh, on the show, he will not wrestle for that seventh year that magic, magical seventh year that has been afforded by the NCAA. And uh, we appreciate all that he's done all the way to this point to be able to make a decision to move on with life and, and uh, switch everything up. And um, we're grateful for that. John Smith, uh, your head coach, but also turns out a damn good commentator. I mean, uh, John is breaking it down and he's criticizing <laughs> bad officiating. I can't. I, I'm. I'm amazed that they're giving him that type of latitude. Yeah, he's a. Uh, John Smith's a, a all around. Yes, he's a, he's a, he's he's amazing at everything. That's the best way I could say it. You know, he's he's uh, he's that that is somebody that I look up to, and and uh, you know, I I uh, I enjoy watching the, the Olympic Games and hearing my coach on there speaking. You know, especially <laughs> with Jordan Burroughs, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. You know. It's, uh, it's unique. Boo and Oklahoma state, uh, has been a great place for you. And we appreciate the time you spent with us today, but more than anything, thank you for a career that we were able to watch as you did it out loud, uh, for all of us to benefit from, uh, outstanding decision. Um, and, and, and we appreciate that all that you've given us because you've given us so much. And, um, uh, I only wish you the best. Thank you so much today. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, and uh, let's let's see Kyle Snyder win tonight, huh? I'd like that. I would like that so much. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, thanks for having me. All right. God bless, Boo. Thank you so much. All right, we got to go to uh, top of the hour. All right, Kira Jones at the helm of the mothership. I'm Scott Casper. This is USA Takedown on ESPN. You know you like it. Have no fear. The True American will be right back with more USA Takedown. Looking my eyes. 
Welcome back to the show. USA Takedown, Scott Casper with you this morning on ESPN. We do it every Friday, coast to coast, border to border, and all those ships at sea. This is what we do. By the way, Stalemate Street League coming up August 13th at Forte it is sold out, okay? But we're going to be talking to uh, various movers and shakers, including our own Zach Bogle, who is uh, really the brains behind this uh, street league event. And um, I'm just so grateful that he's doing it here in Des Moines so I don't have to drive too far to watch, you know, wrestling greatness. So welcome back to the Wild Rose Casino Studios of USA Takedown, Casper and Jones. Hour number one brought to you by Trent Weatherman, your Northwestern Mutual Financial Consultant, and by our friends at here.com forward slash Casper. We appreciate that. Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline is going to be rather stagnant in hour number two. Why? Because I got a guy that um, like the back of his hand he knows wrestling he's covered it as a print journalist he's covered it as an author and a proponent for uh, wrestling he's just a, a tremendous guy he'll be joining us in just a few moments we're talking of course about mike chapman you think about the books he's written i mean he's a hall of famer this guy's an aau national wrestling hall of fame member he's the glenn brand wrestling hall of fame uh, at the uh, Institute in Waterloo. He joins us now, this Mike Chapman. Mike, good morning. How are you? Hiya, Scott. Hey, buddy. Uh, you know, there's subtle differences between, and some more uh, evident than others, but there's subtle differences in wrestling, judo, sambo, and uh, um, even bench pressing, uh, the contest you've been involved in. But wrestling is in a very healthy place right now, or am I reading my tarot cards differently. Scott, I lost you. Okay. Are you there? Yep. I'm here again. Okay. Talk to us about the subtle differences in wrestling, judo, sambo, etc. Well, that's a very interesting question. Have you got an hour and a half? I do actually. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I going. went to East Waterloo yes. high school, which yes. is a real bastion of wrestling. <clears throat> but Scott, I didn't wrestle in high school. I played football. And my senior year, 1960, I began lifting weights. And nobody lifted weights back then. Today, you go into high school and you see these beautiful gyms and facilities. East High, I didn't even see a set of weights anywhere in East High or any school back then. But my dad had a small set of weights. Okay. And you know me well enough to know that I've always been a fan of Tarzan. Yep. And uh, I used to read Tarzan comics and go to Tarzan movies. And I admired his physical strength, of course. So I started lifting weights at home in my basement my senior year, Scott, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with the discipline, with the pain that was only temporary, with the right. goal setting. And I'm kind of a solitude type of person. I'm a writer, and you do that all by yourself. And I lift weights, and you do that by yourself. And wrestling is just usually you and one other guy. And I just took to it. It fit my personality. I went in the Navy for three years, and I wrestled all three years in the Navy because in Waterloo I grew up one block from the Buzzard Boys, Bob Buzzard, <laughs> uh, two-time state champ, three-time All-American at Iowa State, 
1972 Olympic team, and Don Buzzard, uh, one of the greatest high school wrestlers I ever saw, uh, two-time state champ, his senior year in high school. He made the Olympic team as an alternate, 18 years old, Wow! two-time All-American at Iowa State. And I used to wrestle with them in their side yard all the time. Their dad would come down to get me. Hey, Chapman, you're strong. My boys need to work out with you. <laughs> so I was strong, but they taught me how to wrestle. And that side yard in Waterloo, up in Highland, my old neighborhood, I drove by it last week and stopped and looked at that side yard. Jim Dushan wrestled there, who went on to become an All-American and Greco-Roman national champ. Dan Gable was there sometimes. Dale Anderson, two-time NCAA champ from Michigan State. We all re- learned to wrestle in that side yard, Scott. And weightlifting was my key to any successes I had. So I lifted weights all through the Navy. I got out of the Navy, and I was going to go to the University of Iowa to wrestle. I wanted to be their 190-pounder. I was benching around 350 then, Scott. <laughs> this is 1966, and this is very unusual. Uh, to be lifting that much weight. Wow. And then I cut a finger off in an industrial accident one week before uh, the season started. So I dropped out of school, didn't continue my wrestling career, started a journalism career, as you know, because I met my wife, Beverly Reiter, Love a famous Iowa wrestling name, yep. and embarked on a journalism career. And then I was in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I competed in judo, and I won a tournament in the Rocky Mountains, called the Rocky Mountain Open. And at the end of the tournament, they announced this was a qualifying tournament for the National Sambo Tournament in Mesa, Arizona. Well, I'd never heard of Sambo, uh, but it sounded like fun, and they were going to give you some money to help pay your expenses. So my wife and I took off for Mesa, Arizona, drove 20 hours nonstop. I was cutting weight the whole time trying to get to 198 and ended up competing in the National Sambo Tournament. And uh, I've entered three bench press contests. I've won all, uh, all of them. Uh, and I actually held the state record for a while. I benched 440 while weighing 205. So anyway, there you go. There's a capsule summary. I love it. Mike uh, Chapman, our guest, uh, not just a Hall of Famer, because he is, but it's also a highly respected author. He's given well over 40 years of his life in uh, promotion of this sport. And um, he's also the founder of what has become recognized as one of the great museums in the country, and that is the Dan Gable National Wrestling Institute and Museum. was originally right off the interstate in Newton, but they moved it to um, uh, to Waterloo, uh, right across the street from, uh, I think it's Single Speed Brewing, uh, where they make the Gable beer. But um, uh, he's done so much, and... and you know what, Mike, I got, I got to give credit where credit's due. Your wife has been by your side the entirety of the time. And, uh, it's, it's not always been easy. Well, no, and she's not by my side right now. She's upstairs with my, uh, son and daughter and five grandkids and they're all listening on the radio. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So yeah, you're right. We've been married for 52 years. Her name's Beverly Ryder. And that's the famous Ryder family out of Gilbertville, Don Bosco. Her brother, Doug, bless his heart, is no longer with us. But his two sons, Mac and Bart, were four-time state champions. That's right. And Eddie was a four-time place winner. And Joe was a three-time place winner and a state champion. They won 15 medals in that family. And Doug, the father, Scott, 
had never any idea what wrestling was till I started dating Beverly. And I saw him out playing basketball one day there in their beautiful farm near Eagle Center, Iowa. And they all had their shirts off, all the brothers, and they were running around. And they they were tremendously well-developed in physique, but short guys. Yep. And they weren't that good at basketball. And I said, what are you guys doing <laughs> playing basketball? You ought to be wrestling. And they said, what's wrestling? <laughs> so I took them to a dual meet, Scott, and the entire family fell in love with wrestling almost instantaneously. All kinds of nephews and sons and brothers have wrestled, and the Ryder family is very well known up in Don Bosco area. So we have you to thank for the Ryders. Really? I mean, legitimately, that's a great uh, claim to fame. We're talking with Mike Chapman, um, and thankfully, uh, you saw fit to uh, uh, befriend myself and Scott McClinn, my old radio partner, uh, but you know, what you've done for wrestling is, is, is unimaginable in this day and age, you know, to be a published author, how many books total? Well, I've had 31 published and I'm just finishing my 32nd (laughs) right now, Scott. And people ask me, I get asked to write wrestling books all the time. And I tell people I'm retired. I'm 77, you know, and I tell them, I just, I don't have any books left in me, but the, I get people say, well, what's the key to writing a book, Scott? And you know this, to starting your wonderful radio show. I saw you start that show and the courage it took for you and Scott, uh, the other Scott, to jump in and do it. And here you are all these years later still doing it and playing a huge role in wrestling. And I say there's two things required to write a book. And I think to start a wrestling radio show like you, you have to have the passion to do it and the discipline to follow through. And, Scott, we know so many people that have the passion. Oh, I want to do this. I want to write a book. I want to do this. But they don't sit down and do it. Right. Or they have the discipline. Yeah, I can sit down and write a book, but they don't have the passion to finish it. So it takes the two, passion and discipline. And you, my friend, have exhibited both all these years. Wow. And I like to think I've exhibited some of it, too. I think you have. I mean, just in your ability to create something from scratch, uh, and I'll go back to Win Magazine. You're the founder, the creator of Win Magazine, creator of the Dan Hodge Trophy, considered by many to be the Heisman Trophy of wrestling. And the winner of the Jim Melby Award is the top writer in professional wrestling. There's no, there, you, you can't look past any one of those accolades and those accomplishments. Um, it's, it's no wonder you're in so many Hall of Fames. I'm, I'm just so glad that the industry, the sport, is recognizing you. What is your greatest publication to date, in your estimation? Wow. Well, Win Magazine, under the ownership of Brian Van Clay, and he's in Tokyo right now, and Mike Finn, who's the best editor I've ever worked with, yep. and he's down in NBC Studios somewhere in the South, uh, helping John Smith and Jordan Burroughs, feeding them a lot of information. And... Win Magazine, of course, has played a huge role. It's been around for 25 years now. The International Wrestling Institute Museum, which Bev and I created here in Newton, is now in Waterloo, as you said, the Dan Gable Museum. The Dan Hodge Trophy. Scott, we started that 25 years ago. It's hard to believe. We know it has been presented in person. Uh, Over a million people have seen it now. That includes wrestling banquets each year. 
and again at the football games at the winning school right. each fall, like at Penn State, 80,000 people saw Bo Nickel win his or be awarded his during a football game. Amazing. So the Hodge Trophy has had incredible <laughs> impact. If you saw the documentary on Gable Stevenson that came out about two weeks ago, he's in his house, and he picks up the Hodge Trophy, and he says this is the most important piece in the house. Well, I think his gold medal now will supply him back. <laughs> but, but the Hodge Trophy is a lot of status. But I guess my, my favorite book might be Gotch, an American Hero, Right. And the book I wrote called Achilles, Son of Peleus, Scourge of Troy, about the great hero Achilles who fought in the Trojan War. What about uh, Oklahoma Shooter, the Dan Hodge story? And I find that one endearing because uh, you introduced me to uh, uh, Dan and Dolores uh, Hodge, and uh, that became a lifelong appreciation for all that he accomplished, even in the face of everything that they had to go through during that time. I mean, it was really a story of Americana, really. And um, you were able to make that come to life for me. I appreciate you bringing that up. I really do. Um, my first book was Two Guys Named Dan. I was sports editor in Fort Collins, Colorado. And it was about 1975, three years after Gable won his gold medal and was now coaching at Iowa. And I'd heard so much about Dan Hodge all through my life, and I'd never met him. So I'm working out on a Stairmaster one day, and it hits me. You need to write a book called Two Guys Named Dan. I'd never written a book before, Scott, and I didn't know if I'd ever find a publisher. But I did get a hold of Metalist Industries in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm sorry, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, they were publishing sports books, and I talked them into at least taking a look at it. I said, if I write a manuscript called Two Guys Named Dan... And they didn't know who Dan Hodge was, but they certainly knew who Dan Gable was. Right. And when I said he was three-time undefeated NCAA champion, the only man to win national titles in boxing and wrestling, silver medalist in the Olympics, and he did get cheated out of that gold medal. Yep. And it bothered him the rest of his life. And started telling him about Dan Hodge, crushes apples, snaps the handles off a pair of pliers. <laughs> they said, we'll look at your manuscript on speculation. And if we like it, we'll publish it. So I wrote about a 160-page manuscript and sent it off to him. Actually, I went down, and Vern Gagne opened the door for me to meet Dan Hodge. And I went down and spent two days with him, he and Dolores and his family, and wrote the book. And Medalist called me up and said, we love it. We're going to publish it. Oh, wow. So that opened the door for me. And then I wrote a book called The Toughest Men in Sports, with Muhammad Ali, Bruce Lee, and Dan Gable on the cover, and it has a chapter on Dan Hodge in there. Then I wrote a book called Legends of the Mat, stories of 34 of the greatest wrestlers in American history, and that has a chapter on Dan Hodge. And one day Dan and Dolores were staying with Bev and me here in Newton. They'd come up for one of our inductions, and they always stayed with us here in our house. And he, he and I were sitting on the back deck and in the morning, and he says, Mike, would you ever consider writing a book on me? And I said, I think about it all the time. Wow. So I wrote the book, Oklahoma Shooter, the Dan Hodge story, which tells a lot of stories, uh, Scott, that nobody would ever heard about Dan Hodge before. So it was a real joy to do it. The University of Oklahoma Press wanted to print it, but they had a lot of restrictions I had to follow. 
And I ended up, Bev and I own a company called Culture House, and we printed it ourselves, and it went very well. Uh, and we're talking about Oklahoma Shooter, the Dan Hodge story, and the author is Mike Chapman. He's joining us today for an extended set of interviews, and there's a reason why, because if, if I get started in a conversation with Mike, it's hard to stop the conversation. There's so much ground to cover, and uh, we're going to do our best to continue on the other side of the break. Mike Chapman continues on USA Takedown. Scott Casper with you, Kira Jones, pushing the buttons, making it sound so great. Thank you so much, Kira, and you for listening. We appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this on ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. Welcome back to the show. Um, Programming note, we will be having to go back to network here in about 20 minutes. Uh, Network considerations, that's what they call it. Our guest, Mike Chapman, has used his skills to tell the stories of wrestling's heroes. And one of the greats, and he's covered him well, is called Gotch. Frank Gotch, the uh, world's greatest wrestler. It was that time, Mike, when the uh, America needed heroes. And we didn't have the NFL. We didn't have Major League Baseball or, or basketball, for that matter. But we had boxers and we had wrestlers. And Frank Gotch from tiny Humboldt, Iowa. And by the way, we will be going there in September, I understand, to uh, work an event that will feature Kevin Dresser and his Cyclones of Iowa State against the Purdue Boilermakers and Tony Ersland. Uh, but what a great tribute it will be to go back to where uh, Frank Gotch uh, was born and also where he trained. He trained at, at Bicknell Park. There's a wonderful statue uh, of, of Frank Gotch in that park that um, is maybe a little bit larger than life, but I think it's highly representative of what this sport can do. Um, thank you so much for your contributions in that effort of telling the story of Frank Gotch. Thanks, Scott. When I was a young boy in Waterloo, my grandpa gave me a Christmas present called 100 Greatest Sports Heroes. And I'm looking through there, stories of Babe Ruth and Jack Dempsey and all the big names. And I turn a page and it says, uh, the world's greatest wrestler, Frank Gotch. And I start reading it. I'm 10 years old. And it says he was from Humboldt, Iowa. And I thought, wow, an Iowan. And I read the story and I was captivated. And I do make the case, as you know, I give speeches all over the Midwest, and I say, Frank Gotch laid the foundation for this incredible Iowa love affair with the sport of wrestling. And one of my first early books was called From Gotch to Gable, A History of Iowa Wrestling, published by the University of Iowa Press. And I lay out the case that all these farm kids in the 1910 to 1925, 1930 era grew up under the shadow of Frank Gotch. He was the world heavyweight champion. He was, I think, the best-known athlete in America. He was like Tom Brady today. And all these farm kids grew up. He was a farm kid wanting to be like Frank Gotch. He was handsome, articulate, outgoing, charming, and the heavyweight champion of the world. He was front-page news everywhere he went. Mm. Sell-out crowds all over the Midwest, Kansas City, Minneapolis, Omaha, Chicago. So he really cast a giant shadow over the state of Iowa. 
and it's been a real pleasure to bring his story to life. And one of my good friends and one of your good friends, mm-hmm. Kern Jacobs, mm-hmm. who's uh, won three World Catch Championships, that's short for catches catch can wrestling, that's right. which is the style got used. You could only win by a pin or a joint lock submission. He's making a documentary about the life story of Frank Gotch and the history of catch wrestling. And I know you're in it because I've seen some of the clips. He <laughs> respects you so much that they actually came to your studio yep. and shot clips of you at work in Des Moines. And he went to Frank Gotch's home. We actually went up into his house oh, wow. and stood in the very room where he passed away in 1917. So, yeah, we've Curran's uh, done a great job with this documentary, and I'm sure... He'd like to be on your show sometime when it comes out, too. Yeah, that'll be called, uh, the movie's called uh, For the Love of Catch. Yes. Uh, features you, myself, Randy Couture, and a bunch of folks that are, uh, are much more knowledgeable than I. Well, Dan but, Gable's in it, uh, uh, Tom and Terry Brands, Mark Johnson, 1980 Olympian, and the greatest coach in the history of the University of Illinois Wrestling, and uh, Randy Couture's in it, and Josh Barnett. And you and I, he snuck you and I in there, too. So there's yeah. a little bit for everybody. And and what I found endearing, and, and I know you would agree with me on my estimation of Kern, uh, he was able to put aside personal differences, competitive and others, with uh, Josh Barnett and involve Josh in the story that is the telling of catch wrestling. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh Catch wrestling world is small and it's extremely competitive, yep. and it can get a little bit snarky, <laughs> uh, just like the martial arts or boxing or even top level wrestling can sometimes. And Josh Barnett, in my estimation, is a true legend in the sport. Yep, he's proven himself over and over and over. He doesn't need to uh, take a back seat to anybody. And and Curran did reach out to him, and and Josh has reached out to him, and. They've put aside old differences, and Josh plays a key role in the documentary, as he should. And I think it's, I've seen, uh, I helped write the preliminary script, Scott, so I've seen the inside track. And Kern has a master's degree in theater arts from Michigan State. He's been in Hollywood. He's actually been in three movies. And he's going to star in a movie that's going to be shot in Algona, Iowa, this uh, late fall. And I'm going to go up, Bev and I are going to go up and be on set with him a little bit, and I know he'd love to have you there, too. So That'd be fun. It's a first-class, he's he's done a first-class job with this documentary. And and the, the asides that I've seen have been uh, tremendous. We talked with Mike Chapman, and uh, the the topic, of course, with Mike on any given day is always wrestling. But you've got a, a wonderful history of being involved with uh, Tarzan, uh, the movies. As a matter of fact, you introduced me to Denny Miller, who played Tarzan, or actually he played the Gorton Fisherman, but prior to that, wasn't he on the Gilligan's Island? Uh, he was on the most popular Gilligan's Island ever. He was Tongo the Ape Man, who, who <laughs> rides into the island on a surfboard. He's lost. Uh, <laughs> well, and it was the most popular Gilligan's Island ever. And yeah, you and I and Denny, Denny came here for our celebrity golf tournament. He was in over a, a hundred TV series. Uh, I'll still turn on a Gunsmoke or a Dallas or something from many years ago, and there's Denny. He'll pop up. I love that. And yeah, he was Tarzan in 1959. Tarzan the Ape Man was the name of his movie. 
Mike, I got, uh, you know, with the Olympics going on, even as we speak, uh, the news is out that all five members of the U.S. Olympic men's freestyle team will come home with an Olympic medal. Do you recall when that has happened before, if ever? Well, it did in 1984, of course, in Los Angeles. Right. Not every team member got one, but I think we had six medals, but there were 10 weight classes then. Right, right. So to come home with every single freestyler having a medal, Scott, no, I don't recall that ever happening. I've been to two Olympics in person, uh, L.A. in 84 and Atlanta in 96. And let me say a word about Gable Stevenson. You know, we gave the Dan Hodge trophy this year, Brian Van Clay, Win Magazine, to both. Uh, Gable Stevenson and Spencer Lee, for the first time ever, it was a complete, total tie. There was nothing else we could do. I love that. And they were both so gracious to uh, say they were honored to share it with the other person. And Spencer Lee told me personally, he says, he's the greatest wrestler in the world. You watch. He's going to win the Olympics. So I guess Spencer Lee knew what he was talking about. Yeah. Well, what a fine young man. He was on the show, what, uh, here last week or the week before? Yeah, and just a really good kid, um, and able to understand what's going on in the world of athletes and the world of athletics with name, image, and likeness. Right now, it's it's a brave new world we're facing, and these athletes have to do their job to to uh, live with inside the regulations put forward by the NCAA. We're talking with Mike Chapman, um, and and you mentioned Curran, the giant slayer Jacobs. Uh, what an outstanding guy to put forward. You've likened him uh, to a Frank Gotch and, and perhaps even in body style. I think he's probably very close to Frank Gotch. Would you agree? Yeah, he's close to Frank Gotch in, in personality and looks and wrestling style. And he loves the Frank Gotch toe hold, which is a very, very dangerous submission hold. He actually put it on Terry Brands <laughs> during the, the the documentary. Terry wanted him to. He said, put that gotch toe hold on me. And Curran said, really? So he put it on him, and Terry started pounding his fist on the mat, tapping out, and he turned around looked at Curran, and he says, hey, I have to use that foot the rest of my <laughs> life, you know. Uh, the gotch toe hold is really something. And I'll let you in on something, Scott. There is some talk now uh, about a movie company that has seen a little bit of this teaser coming out with yeah. the documentary that thinks maybe a movie on Frank Gotts would be the next step. Oh. And Curran would be the perfect place person to play him. How cool would that be, Mike? I mean, I, I would, would imagine they would want you as part of their, you know, the writing effort putting that. Uh, you, you have an amazing way of, of assembling chronologically the history of our sport in such a way where it makes sense and it's still endearing. It's not mired down in uh, uh, all the details, but it tells the story of our sport, the hum the humanity of it all. Well, that's a good point, uh, Scott. And I have so many people tell me after I give a speech on history, I didn't know history was could be so exciting, so much fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, they say, I didn't like history in school. I said, I didn't like history in school either. Uh, it was all about dates. What date was the Magna Carta signed in? What date uh, did the Battle of Rhymes take place? But history is about people. When you learn who the real George Washington was, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds, a great dancer, extremely handsome, a ladies' man in his youth, 
people say, wait a minute, that's not the George Washington I know. <laughs> so you're right. Once you start telling about the people, Frank Gotch was an amazing person. Right. And you learn about him growing up hard and tough on a farm and slopping pigs and out in the fields till he was uh, uh, exhausted. And that's how he got tough mentally and physically. So, yeah, you're right. History's fascinating when you talk about the people. Amen. Amen. And every institution around the country where athletes choose to call, you know, choose to call them or their places a home. Um, it's like we had Boo Llewellyn on from uh, Oklahoma State, you know, stating that, hey, I'm done going to class. I don't want to go to class anymore. Uh, it could have gone for a seventh consecutive year uh, with uh, the Cowboys and the NCAA. But, you know, you, you, you've got to tell the backstory in order to understand what's going on in front of your very eyes. Our guest, Mike Chapman, you you were uh, in the Middle East, um, and you bring up Achilles, but uh, there's more to that story, Mike. Can you? We've got about four minutes left in the segment. Uh, can you uh, uh, regale us uh, of of what your efforts were intended to be, and what you actually took away from that trip to the to the uh, Middle East? Well, I, I read the Iliad comic book when I was about twelve years old, and I've always been fascinated by Achilles, the kind of warrior he was, the courage he had, and how head and shoulders he was above everybody else, kind of like a Muhammad Ali or Bruce Lee or Dan Gable and a Kel Sanderson. He was a genetical freak. And I became fascinated with him, and I read everything I could on him, and then I wrote this novel, Achilles, Son of Peleus, Scourge of Troy, where I take out all the gods and goddesses, and I just talk about the real person. And my son, Jason, who you know and lives in Des Moines and has a great job with the Iowa legislature, after he read the book, he said, Dad, how long have you wanted to go to Troy, and which is in the coast of Turkey, Asia Minor? And I said, since I was 12 years old, and he said, we're going. <laughs> this was in 2006. Wow. And Jason's very good at lining things up and taking control. And he and two friends, went. we all went over to ancient uh, Troy. I actually stood on the tomb of Achilles on the other side of the world. If people go to my website, Scott, they can see a picture of me with Ronald Reagan, Muhammad Ali, Lou Fez, the great world heavyweight champion, Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk, and me standing on the tomb of Achilles on the other side of the world. And, yeah, I had a real harrowing experience over there, uh, but it would take me too long to tell it. I tell it when I give speeches, and people gasp and come up and talk to me afterwards, and... uh, but, yeah, it was quite a, quite a trip. I actually stood on the tomb of Achilles. And, of course, the movie Troy came out in 2004 with Brad Pitt playing Achilles. Yep. So that helped spark interest in my book, too, of course. Oh. Mike, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, by the way, fans, if you want to uh, catch up with Mike, you can do so. Uh, Cultural House Books, that's the name of the company that he and his wife share. And uh, all the books are available there. There's videos as well, Luthez. An American Icon, TNT, the Tom and Terry brand story, Gotch, an Iowa hero, and uh, he's not done yet. I thank God he's part of this sport, and he's made me that much uh, better at doing my job as well. So be in touch with Mike Chapman. You can find him online. And, Mike, are you on Facebook? I've never been on Facebook, Scott. You're not missing anything. 
<laughs> yeah, but I'm on, I've got my own website that my son Jason developed. It's called www.mike-chapman.com. Okay. And they can find out uh, a lot of information about my books there and see those pictures I just talked about. And you know, Scott, it's been a it's been great to be able to give publicity to wrestling over the last fifty years, and to meet all the interesting fellows. And and you you've plowed new ground too, Scott, with your radio show. And I kind of feel like we're brothers in arms. We you know, we're trying to do all we can to market the sport of wrestling and expand its horizons. It's coming into its own yet again. Mike Chapman has been our guest. Mike, thank you so much. You bet, Scott. I always enjoy it. Thanks. God bless you. It's one of the uh, great historians of our sport, somebody I respect uh, very much. Tell you what, uh, we're going to break, and then on the other side of the break, you'll hear our our, uh, national programming. And so it's by that decision we must leave you at this time. We'll talk to you again next week. It's USA Takedown. Scott Casper, Kara Jones on ESPN. Stay tuned.